What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. When they point the finger at you, brother man, this is what you gotta tell them. I'm not guilty. You're the one who's guilty. Lawmakers, the politicians, the Colombian drug lords, all you who lobby against making drugs legal, just like you did with alcohol during the prohibition. You're the one who's guilty. I mean, come on, let's kick the ballistics here. Ain't no Uzis made in Harlem. Not one of us in here owns a poppy feed. This thing is bigger than immortal tech big. This is big business. This is the American way. Free Thought Radio. Independent music, independent talk, and independent minds. Freethoughtmedia.org. Welcome to another episode of Free Thought Radio. Here at part of the Free Thought Media Network. Airing exclusively every week, once a week, Mondays, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on KKSM. The Radio Revolution airing right here in San Diego, California at AM 1320. Also on Cox Cable TV at channel 957. And streaming live throughout the worldwide interwebs at freethoughtmedia.org slash live. Check out the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought AAC. And it also rebroadcasts on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, based out of the free state of New Hampshire. So today is Columbus Day. And, you know, I, 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 there's a lot about Columbus that I didn't know when I was uh, in elementary school. It seemed like I got inundated to think that he was all well and good and dandy, finding America, we're awesome we're number one until i read the first chapter of the people's history of the united states by howard zinn uh introduced to me in high school um to realize that he did not respect people's rights to life liberty and property and that he was a uh rapist pillager uh thief and uh you know him and the europe just european colonialism you know genocidal lunacy so this is kind of segues into my guest for tonight, at least in this first hour, um, that human liberty is natural liberty. It is, not sub- it is not only for one class of people or one race of people. If we apply liberty universally, you cannot use violence to violate anybody's rights, whether you're an individual coming aboard a ship like Christopher Columbus or if you wear a fancy hat or a police badge and call yourself the state or, or any kind of government entity, no matter who you are, you do not have the right to violate anyone else's rights. Politicians are not superhuman beings that they have extra special rights or extra special privilege to be able to use force against you to violate your rights, whether for racial reasons or otherwise. Um, you know, certainly... Uh, the thing with Columbus is that, you know, viewing people of a different race, you know, as less than human, as like savage, so they deserve it. And we don't care if 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 they die or whatever. Let's take all their stuff. 
that's certainly the the mindset of European colonialism, which I would argue goes to this day with wars and everything like that. But my guest for this hour is going to talk about many ways in which you can boycott war, such as uh, using Bitcoin as a currency or being free in your own mind, in your own life, maximizing human liberty amongst not only yourself uh, not and not just in your life and your mind, but just in all areas of human interaction, um, whereas the state and to a large extent their corporate cohorts, uh, which one is using who, it doesn't really matter. The state uh, charters the corporations, so in a sense the state has a monopoly on violence. Without the monopoly on violence, the corporations falter because they can't use guns to get their way. They actually have to use logic and reason and not militarism. And best way to protest militarism is to get out of the U.S. dollar, stop using it. And my next guest for this hour is Jeffrey Tucker. He is an economist. He wears a lot of cool bow ties and he is a Bitcoin enthusiast. And I did this interview with him at Libertopia 2013. So He's going to talk all about human liberty to apply it universally to everybody, uh, not just, you know, the Christopher Columbus, only white Europeans deserve liberty um, and therefore massacre the Indians. Human liberty across the board and using currencies like Bitcoin to uh, circumvent the state. Hey, everybody. We're here live at Libertopia 2013. I'm joined now by Jeffrey Tucker, MC, uh, party master. <laughs> um, and also, he owns uh, Lazy Fair Books and is uh, with the Foundation for Economic Education. That's right. You know, and I, I, I failed to point this out enough times that Fee actually brought me here. Like, I wouldn't be here if Fee didn't bring me here. So I'm really grateful to them. They paid for my trip and kind of made it all happen. Fee's... You know, it's a very old institution. It dates back from like the 1940s, I think. But, you know, so they've gone through a lot of iterations and things, but they're going through another wave of new energy and intellectual creativity. And if you go to their website, you can sort of, you can tell, sort of tell this. They're running some edgier pieces these days than they might have run, say, 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So tell us, what, what brings you here to Libertopia, and, and how do you, what, what is your definition of liberty, if liberty is to be defined? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I love being here at Libertopia. It's the first time I've come. A lot of my friends have come here in the past years, so for me, this is the first first time, and I've, my first real connection was sort of Southern California libertarian culture. And the first day, I have to tell you, it was a little bit of out of sorts. Like, you know, who are these people? What do they believe? What's going on here? Uh, a little bit confusing. And you know, I tell you, I think it took me about a day to figure out the difference between what I've always assumed libertarianism to be and, and what Libertopia is all about. And there is a subtle difference, and, and the difference is this, that in sort of mainstream libertarianism as it's existed for the last, say, 50 years, the goal has always been about changing policy. Like, okay, the minimum wage is bad, I'm a libertarian, I want to get rid of it. Uh, war is bad, I'm a libertarian, so I'm, I'm going to protest it. I'm going to support candidates that favor liberty. In other words, the prospects of whether we're free or not under that model are entirely contingent upon what the government does or doesn't do, which reduces us all to the level of sort of, in a way, beggars. So we're always going to the state saying, please, you know, give us more freedom. Well, now there's a, pro there's a slight problem with this model, which is that nobody actually controls the state. Right? It's a little bit illusory. Yeah. I mean, nothing you and I believe 
is going to cause the state to behave differently. At least there's not a direct cause and effect effect there. Basically the state doesn't care about it. So what I see operating here at Libertopia is a, is a deeper, even more sophisticated understanding that freedom can't wait for the government to change. Exactly. We can't just sit around, because uh, we all have limited days on this earth, we all believe in our human rights and liberty, we want to make a difference. Uh, we can't just make our ambitions and dreams contingent upon what the political class does or doesn't do. So what's going on here at Libertopia is that people are coming up with very creative ways to use what freedoms they do have to find workarounds to the tyranny of our age. And that, that shows itself in many different areas of life, in education, and, and diet, and uh, tr you know, the way you travel, and just the way you manage your life in general. And I don't think the specifics of how to become freer are as important as the general ambition and the, the, the subtle shift in the model. So I'm very much inspired by it and intrigued by it. In other words, it's a broadening of, of the idea of liberty uh, to pertain to us as individuals. I'm sorry I went on too long that way, but, oh, it's but right. it's, I, I'm intrigued by this. Yeah. Definitely. It, it is very solutions-based. Right. And some of uh, just go living free regardless of what the government says. And one of those solutions is Bitcoin and yeah. things like silver, which is being prominently... That's it? It's a Chelsea Manning rap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's fabulous. Yeah, that's great. I've gotten a few uh, silver coins since I've been here. Awesome. Very exciting. And you know, uh, well, anyway, go ahead. Well, what, what do you make of, of, uh, of just this little area in, in San Diego County being kind of like the biggest rebellion against the Federal Reserve? Yeah, you know, there does seem to be a lot of focus on alternative monies. And I think maybe these days, with, with the problems of Bitcoin and everything, I have my Bitcoin uh, pen here, right? Yeah. Um, that we're going to take it for granted, but you know, there was a man here, his name is Bernard von Nothaus. I don't know if you've had oh, a yeah. to meet him. Okay. I haven't had a chance to meet him. <coughs> yeah, so, well, he's unfortunately left, but here's the thing. I think it's starting about 10 years ago or something like that. He innovated this idea, which maybe we take for granted, but back then it was totally revolutionary, that we should come up with alternatives to the money monopoly, and they should be private alternatives, and we should start doing it now. Yeah. Um, I remember being mystified by this, thinking, well, that's a little naive. You can't just start your own monetary system. I mean, even I felt this way, right? A little bit of doubts, you know? But here's an example of how an entrepreneur teaches us. Because he went out on a limb and did this, and you know what? He got in big trouble with the feds. Um, and just for, for anybody who happens to listen to this interview, what's interesting to me is that he's still yet to be sentenced, actually, two and a half years later after his conviction. He's still a free man, which is fascinating. But it's very possible that the experiment with the Liberty Dollar influenced Satoshi Nakamoto to come up with Bitcoin. So the entrepreneurs in this monetary arena are learning from each other. And that is a revolutionary project. I mean, I mean if you start going after the money, that's a, a very part of the way the state controls society. So this is, you know, this is serious business now. Things are starting to really move in our direction. Exactly. And the only difference between what he did and the people that made this, he called it the dollar, or the Liberty Dollar, and the Fed, they, you know, they went like Disney and did their whole copyright deal. Um, but well, he was pretty edgy, pretty out there, but you know, what a sweet man. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to interview him, uh, but he and I are going to hook up again on a Google chat because he's just one of these great figures like, like Spooner or Thoreau or somebody like that who who just takes a risk and goes out there and shows us something new, teaches us 
inspires us. He's a, he's, he's a real pioneer. Definitely. Interestingly, at Libertopia, we kind of were at the same time as we may or may have not have gone into another war. And luckily, it, with the facade of congressional approval, even though President Obama is saying that even this is going to be a charade, have your local, like, throw the bone to the to the peons, and then, and then we'll go in anyways. Uh, what do you make of, like, if we would have gotten into another war over the weekend with Libertopia? It would have been something. I think probably everybody just sort of marched out into the streets or something. Yeah. As it is, though, everybody's been really encouraged to write, you know, do these email swarms to the congressman. And while I'm very skeptical of political action in general, this is one way you can do it. It's very easy and actually it intimidates the political class. So it does make a marginal difference to engage in those kind of email campaigns and texting and that kind of stuff. I'm very interested to watch how this thing uh, occurs. My sense is that war is becoming more and more difficult for the state because of the pervasiveness of information, the fact that everybody's... That internet. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and smartphones, you know, make you a movie producer in your pocket. Oh, yeah. And the communication is intensifying all the time. The more the people of the world can talk to each other, the less wars are, are, are likely. At least they're going to be more difficult for the state. Never more possible. I'm not even sure if something like the first Iraq war that Bush undertook, you know, would be even possible to or the second one, you know, that his father undertook, you know, would be possible We're going to find out in the Syria case. But, you know, what's nice is to see the growing amounts of progress. Life is getting ever more difficult for the power elite. Definitely. Uh, t talk a bit about. Um, uh, some of the speeches you've given uh, at the... Uh, yeah, so I gave an opening talk, and gosh, and now it's so long ago, I don't even remember what it was about. But I think <laughs> it was a general paradigm of where we stand with liberty now, the role of technology and, and helping us. <coughs> My second talk was about... Uh, okay, this is the first time I'd ever given a talk like this, and, it's, it, and it flows out of some research. I'd, observations I've had for years, and then some research I did reading Hayek uh, with Fresh Eyes recently. And what I try to do is map out a paradigm for how the state thinks, which is not so much what the state does, we know what it does, it aggresses, it makes a parasitical relationship with the society, but what I wanted to do was explain how that kind of particular institutional structures reinforce a way of thinking that um, can be replicated in other areas of life and with detrimental results. So I listed five ways that the state you know, wrongly thinks about society and urges libertarians to kind of be the mirror image of that, you know, become the personal foil to the way, to the statist way of thinking. So that was my second talk, and that was, I think, a really, uh, I think that really went extremely well. I was very happy with that. My third talk was at uh, a luncheon, and what I attempted to do there was, was urge libertarians to embrace, embrace a universalist ethic. Um, and to stop looking at their friends and their neighbors as being you know, the thing that's stopping liberty from being achieved, but rather look at their friends and their neighbors and their people in their towns uh, and all those associations as always as potential allies. To reject factionalism, to universalize the, the expectation that, uh, that every living person wants and desires liberty, with the exception of maybe 2% of the trolls in the population. <laughs> and to reject the conflict view of society the states always trying to impose on us. So I tried to reassert the old uh, wisdom advanced by Frederick Bastiat that ultimately society contains within itself the capacity for, for self-management and that there is ultimately a, a harmony of interest between between all people. So that was my second speech. I, I like that because I was kind of going back to um, 
to an old 18th century, 19th century view of, of liberalism, which is, I mean, even though I'm an anarchist, I also think of myself as basically an old-fashioned liberal. You know? And so my final talk, I'm, I'm going to be, just give you a, a quick foretaste of it, I'm going to be celebrating the lives of what I consider three great heroic people in the history of uh, the libertarian idea. The first one is H.L. Mencken, the second one is the Jesus, and the third one is Ayn Rand. So I'll be giving little mini biographies and explaining to people why their lives have touched me. So very much of a personal time. Definitely. So that's coming up here shortly. Definitely, I would certainly agree that the state does the state is intent on, whether it be through the two-party system or other means, it's intent on dividing uh, the people, like you from your neighbor, thinking that, oh, I hate you because you're a Republican and Democrat, rather than uniting against the state. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's a particularly vicious way politics allocates people like this, you know, it, and it, it tags them. And the media is glad to, yeah. to, to, to get dedicated to them. They'll say, oh, look, in this election, you know, this county's probably going to go Republican because, look, everybody's sort of white and, and rich and whatever. This county's going to go Democrat, Democrat because, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of single women or a lot of uh, racial minorities. So it's like we're all, by the political systems, taking us into these little holes, you know, uh, according to interest. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like Marxism gone mad, in a way, you know, in every area. So that, you know, if you're disabled, you're expected to go to the Democrats, you know, if you're a small business owner, you're expected to go to the Democrats. I mean, we just need to blow up this whole paradigm. Libertarians need to look at every individual as a potential ally in the great struggle for liberation. Definitely. Do you have any final words for our listeners and where can they find laissez-faire books? Yeah, laissez-faire you can find at lfb.org and I'm writing there all the time. I also write a lot for Foundation for Economic Education. Um, I'm also working on a new venture that I'm going to be able to talk about Sometime next year. Well, I don't want to say too much about it now, but yeah, some very exciting things are brewing. In fact, over the next few days, I'm doing some traveling here on the West Coast to, to talk more about, about uh, some, some people involved in that. So that's all I'll say about that. Cool. But, yeah, right, right. So, But I'm very excited about that. So, And otherwise, I recently established this. Uh, page called jeffreytucker.me, which sounds ridiculously yeah. But anyway, there is, you can go to it and read like everything I've ever written. So that's fun. But thank you so much for for having. I hope for having you here. Hope to see you again next in Libertopia next year. I hope this conference is bigger and more wonderful than ever. I'm sure it will be. Definitely, well, Jeffrey Tucker. Thank you again for okay. Thank you. And that was Jeffrey Tucker of the Foundation for Economic Education and uh, the, the Freeman Magazine. And you could find his website at jeffreytucker.me. So I want to play a few songs um, to kind of highlight um, a few principles of liberty that were discussed in the interview I just did with Jeffrey Tucker. But if you missed any part of the episode, podcast will be up tomorrow at iTunes, just search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought AAC, or listen to the LRN.FM weekly podcast loop. Uh, my guest in the top of the next hour is Charles Johnson of the Alliance of the Libertarian Left, and in the third hour, I have Nathan Arnold of the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative, the ballot initiative that seeks to legalize both cannabis and industrial hemp in the state of California still needs to get on the ballot to qualify for the ballot. So you need to sign the ballot petitions if you are a registered California state voter. 
But this song has to kind of do with both, and both the uh, Cannabis Initiative and uh, the principles of liberty that Jeffrey Tucker and I discussed, and uh, from what uh, was on last week's show, which I played um, my appearance on the Freedoms, the Freedom Fiends radio show. They did this movie called Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom, and this is one of the songs from the movie. It's called I Own Me. It's about self-ownership, and... Um, they actually had a Brendan Small of Death Clock on their show yesterday, and and Death Clock has like a uh, like kind of like a mini short rock opera on Adult Swim coming up on October twenty seventh. So you'll want to check that out and check out uh, the f- podcast of Brendan Small on the Freedom Fiends. I had Brendan Small on a year ago on this show. It's pretty cool. Um, he they made him look at Google images of the effects of the drug crocodile which is like done in russia and basically it, it messes you up like heroin but it also kind of like makes your skin turn into like a reptile and sometimes your fingers like fall off it, it's so weird but why would anybody actually do crocodile i don't know why <laughs> um but um hey if heroin were legal would they or would they just go for heroin or croc, so I'm hoping if you see uh, Doctor Roxo like get addicted to crocodile on Metalocalypse, you'll credit that to the Freedom Fiends. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so this is "I Own Me" by from the Guns and Weed movie soundtrack, and then after that, "You Can't Kill Terror" by Guar from their album War Party here on KKSM. The Radio Revolution uh, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio DJ Network. Subsonic, Nima V, the lyrical terrorists. Y'all know how we do. You know, I own myself. Nobody else can tell me what to do. I hope you feel the same way. It's like Pimp C say, they can lock my body, but them dwarfs can't take my mind. Never that. It's getting thicker than dreadlocks They treat us like we dreads God don't wanna see the feds Pop will be the one that they Stop to get in trouble Cause I talk ish to their mascot Freaking busybodies need to go and buy an ascot Telling me you own me Then making sure I'm taxed out Maxed out Deep indebted from the easy credit That the fed embedded Then they better it all be copacetic If they were the medic But forget it The people are getting pissed Blowing up like summer landed They won't control and fed it But y'all know that smells faded Like the Crapple that we're headed to If they don't let me do me and you do you And all the guns in the government Won't amount to a 22 If they keep on stomping on amendment number two And we don't even need you Take your welfare and your brainwashing free school And y'all are so see-through Easy to see you with see-through Nobody owns me, uh Y'all haters don't, yeah. I own me, yeah. So back up, uh, uh Nobody owns me, no Y'all haters don't, uh so back up, but oh, I make my own rules, take my own rules. You ain't in my shoes, no, you ain't get to choose. I ain't paying dues, I pay them for myself. Don't expect shit from me, and I ain't need your help. In case you didn't know, this song is for the parasites, the feeders that bleed us and treat us like they're the hand with the dice. No utopian paradise, do we have from any planet? The world too complex for any man to comprehend. All the supply and again, all the demand. When the few control the view, their mistakes are multiplied. The decision should be ours, like our bodies. Let's take back our lives. Only a slave if you submit. And y'all know I got some fight. And this ain't racist, it's the blacks, white. 
whites and Asians, Middle Eastern people, Latino, and everyone that wants to be free. So we'll leave and let it slide. If you're emo, I never sign no social contract. I'm about to have to repo myself for my health and my wealth. Put your bills back on the shelf. Capitol Hill can go to hell. We should put them punks in jail. We could live our lives ourselves. Nobody owns me. Uh, y'all haters don't. Yeah.
tired of governments murdering people around the world? Stop using their money. There is an alternative. Bitcoin is a stateless, free market, non-political currency. Bitcoin cannot be inflated or controlled by any government. By using their money, you are helping the state. Stop doing it. You have an incredible alternative available now. Learn it. Use it. Spread it. Get started with Bitcoin at WeUseCoins.com. That's WeUseCoins.com. Free Thought Radio, your source for independent music, independent talk, from independent minds. Only on KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, and podcasting on LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network, freethoughtmedia.org. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio. That was You Can't Kill Terror by Guar, and before that, I Own Me by Nima V from... The Guns and Weed, the Road to Freedom movie soundtrack. Because my guest in the previous hour was Jeffrey Tucker of Laser Fair Books and the Foundation for Economic Education. If you missed any part of the episode, the podcast will be up tomorrow at iTunes. Just search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought AAC. For if you miss any part of the interview with Jeffrey Tucker, um, Charles Johnson of the Alliance of the Libertarian Left is up at the next hour and then nathan arnold of the california cannabis hemp initiative is on in the third hour but time for the news in state news a riverside cop tricks an autistic teen into buying marijuana quote we felt like our family was totally violated by the sheriff's department and the school district says Doug and Catherine Snodgrass of Temecula, California. Last December, their 17-year-old autistic high school son was arrested after twice buying marijuana from an undercover Riverside County police officer. The undercover operation titled Operation Glasshouse spanned a few months and included undercover officers in three area high schools, Chaparral, Temecula Valley, and Rancho Vista, uh, Rancho Vista Continuation. The officers posed as regular high school students and would ask other students for drugs. 22 students were arrested. The majority of them are reported to be special needs students like Snodgrass's son. One more reason to tune in in the third hour and hear about the legalization initiative for California in 2013 Stop the madness, if I may use a colloquial term from these scaremongering propagandists that go around and arrest and entrap special needs people to what? Make more money off the state? Sh- shove them into a prison? Have them uh, be slave labor to make nin- to package n- Nintendo games? In national news, 
Police arrest eight members of Congress at a D.C. immigration reform rally. And to that I say, only eight? <laughs> Why not more? <laughs> um, it was interesting seeing uh, Charles Ringel get arrested. And you know, a lot of this stuff has got to be theater, publicity theater. You know the real what I want to what I want to see in the news how uh, Palestinian refugees and activists were get got arrested at one of those rallies. Um, I really don't think even Democrats care about immigration. They don't. They don't support free immigration. Neither do the Republicans. They 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 either have you know their racial scapegoats or the Democrats and the unions don't want you know. Uh, immigrants to interfere with their stuff so it's like it's all show look how cool and hip and liberal we are but yet they're all I see them all as just the same brand of people fascists and Mussolini said fascism is just corporatism the perfect merger of corporate and state the corporations own both parties so what are you really getting in other national news the U.S. continues to gag and murder 9-11 truth seekers, says Dr. Kevin Barrett, writing at Press TV. He also points at possible use of NSA uh, uh, suppression to suppress social media posts, emails, and blogs pertaining to questioning the government's account of September 11th. Additionally, in national news, the CIA to provide new details into the Hastings death. San Diego 6 Channel 6, the CW, has uh, been reporting on this story and has issued a FOIA request to the CIA asking about Michael Hastings, but also this time in addition to Barrett Brown and Aaron Swartz. Now, the CIA sent a response letter preliminary to say that, yes, they will provide this information, but they will not provide any information on Michael Hastings' connection to Barrett Brown or Aaron Swartz. In other national news... The politically charged United We Stand Festival has been rescheduled to May 10th, 2014. So on last week's show, I had Christina Tobin, the founder of the Free and Equal Elections Foundation, who is doing the United We Stand Festival. It's got Public Enemy and the Wu-Tang Clan basically, you know, saying no to the two-party system, uh, that the two-party system needs to go. And the two-party system is maintained, kept up. The illusion of it is kept up by, you know, the power elites, uh, the, the financial hegemons, of the Federal Reserve banking system and, of course, the military-industrial complex that goes along with the Federal Reserve banking system. So it's going to be very much exciting to see Public Enemy and the Wu-Tang Clan stand up to the two-party system on May 10th, 2014 at UCLA. And if you want to hear more about it, just go to the podcast page for Free Thought Radio. Go to iTunes, search for Free Thought, look for Free Thought AAC. You could find the podcast with... Uh, Christina Tobin of the United We Stand Festival. In additional national news, veterans were arrested at the Vietnam Memorial during their vigil for fallen soldiers. So this is, you know, the, the absurdity of government shutdown. Things that are open space. You know, how much money do they have to pay for those barricades? How much money do they have to pay for the police officers and their riot gear? And they say they have no money. I just think they have misplaced priorities. But they want to have a show of power saying don't resist the government even veterans that served this country they all got arrested at the vietnam memorial during their vigil for fallen soldiers you can see more about it at the youtube channel we are change additionally the fbi is struggling to seize six hundred thousand bitcoins from alleged silk road founder 
Now, 600 Bitcoin, 600,000 Bitcoins, Bitcoin's like $120 a piece about right now. Dude. <laughs> and I'm glad they're struggling because, you know, they should not have shut that down. And so what? Something else is going gonna, is gonna to replace it. And good thing. In national news from benswan.com, that's swan with two N's, suburban cops in Florida are getting rich selling drugs. Police in Sunrise, Florida have made millions by luring drug buyers from across the country to their small town. Once the buyers show up and attempt to buy cocaine in restaurants like TGI Fridays or Panera Bread, cops arrest them and then confiscate their cash and belongings. Civil asset forfeiture, and what do they do with the cash? Well, a lot of times police chiefs get really nice dinners or fancy new cars. Or they use it to pay to militarize the police force so that riot gear police show up to veterans at the Vietnam Memorial. Uh, Actually, uh, there was an additional veterans march, the Million Vet March on D.C. that happened this week, also met by riot police. What kind of drug money went to go to pay for their batons and face masks and everything like that in this fascist police state? You gotta wonder. Additionally, in national news, the Ohio State Senate votes to ban the Libertarian Party from Ohio elections. And this is Republican Governor John Kasich. And I got a whole mess of crap from uh, Republicans when I was out canvassing for Gary Johnson. They're like, no, you know Obama's not a, a United States citizen. And if he gets reelected, you know, we got to vote for Romney. If he, if he gets reelected, we're not going to have any more free elections in America. And it's going to be Soviet Socialist Republic and <laughs> so on and so forth. I heard all this, you know, with focus on the free elections part that, you know, Obama's going to seek a third and fourth term. So if, that's just partisan hackery, pointing the finger at Democrats when Republicans ain't no different. And case in point, in Ohio, a Republican is the end of free elections as we know it. So Republicans who yell at me for supporting Gary Johnson, uh, you ain't got no water in your argument. And you voted for you voted for a guy that was going to kill more children in the Middle East, just like Obama is still doing to this day, in saber rattling about the war in Iran and raising the debt ceiling like Romney would have done, and being in bed with the Federal Reserve like Romney would have done. So, um, anytime I mention Obama on the show, just please feel free to swap at, swap his name out for the word Romney, and yeah, it would have been exactly the same. So it's just it's it's a little sad that those were the arguments I was hearing from Republicans, and shame on Governor John Kasich. I, I sent him a nice little tweet today at Twitter.com/slash Alex underscore Fiddle F I D E L. Follow me and tweet me and stuff like that. In other national news, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz and his cohorts, including Sarah Palin and wingnut Larry Clayman showed their side of Islamophobia by telling President Obama to put down the Quran. You know, that's what that, that's why I can't support Republicans, because they're going around calling the president a Muslim? Really? The president that is saber-rattling with this war in Iran that lets not Netanyahu have him at his earpiece? 
that goes and bombs Muslim children across the country, does Saudi Arabia's bidding, and, you know, Saudi Arabia sells this fake strain of Islam called Wahhabism, and most of the Muslim world hates them for that. And Saudi Arabia loves U.S. intervention in that region as much, much as Israel does because it secures Saudi's oil interests in the region. So, Obama a Muslim? I think not. I, I, I think probably the opposite. If he was, why would he be bombing the crap out of them? So shame on Ted Cruz and associating yourself with Sarah Palin. I mean, geez, and, and pe people, I, I mean, people were applauding him for his Obamacare thing, but that's just a show. And, you know, he can't even run for president because he's not a United States citizen. Let's start up a conspiracy about Ted Cruz, a birther conspiracy. See how he likes it. I mean, he just sounds like a... He's giving a sermon. He sounds like a preacher the entire time, like kind of Jimmy Swagger or like Pat Robertson. He just kind of has that oration to him, and I don't like that one bit. I liked how Gary Johnson never invoked the word God, and I have nothing against religious people, but it's like, and, and, and Ron Paul was certainly religious, but he didn't sound like he was delivering a sermon. It's obvious that people like Ted Cruz kind of like put on an act. They're actors. They don't really feel that way or talk that way, but... You know, when you have that sermon voice, it sounds like you're faking your emotion. Like Glenn Beck or Ted Cruz or Sarah Palin. All those people. Oh, geez. Let's go on to international news. International Edward Snowden uh, wins the Sam Adams Award. And no, nothing to do with beer because, you know, beer keeps cannabis prohibition alive. And that's not very freedom-oriented. And I know Edward Snowden's all about freedom so it turns out Sam Adams was a, another whistleblower. So nothing about beer. But this week, Edward Snowden received the Integrity Award from the Sam Adams Associates for Integrity and Intelligence. These videos from the award ceremony are the first of Mr. Snowden after being granted asylum in Russia. The videos show Mr. Snowden as he was given the award by Ray McGovern, ex-CIA whistleblower, who said, quote, Sam Adams Associates are proud to honor Mr. Snowden's decision to heed his conscience and give priority to the common good over concerns about his own personal future. We are confident that the others with similar moral fiber will follow his example in illuminating dark corners and exposing crimes that put our civil rights as free citizens in jeopardy. Just as Private Manning and Julian Assange exposed criminality with documentary evidence, Mr. Snowden's beacon of light has pierced a thick cloud of deception. And again, like them, he has been denied some of the freedoms that whistleblowers have every right to enjoy. In international news, Fukushima radiation levels hit a two-year high. And guess what, Californians? All California bluefin tuna is now radioactive where's the justice against tepco in international news israeli commandos fired from air in 2010 gaza flotilla raid says former u.s marine additionally an israeli military uh, uh launched a strike against syria and recently so the U.S. may technically not be involved in a war with Syria, and they may have technically taken down their saber-rattling, but they're letting other people do it as a proxy for them, like the state of Israel. 
doing this preemptive, unjust, undeclared, needless war when it's not a threat to anybody. Uh, again, Israel has a lot of conquest goals uh, and, and not defense goals. And so, I mean, the U.S. was funding covert, you know, people like the Al-Nusra Front, the Al-Qaeda-related rebels since George Bush. So they have been in a war, yeah. They, they may not have done a... We may have averted a military strike, but the U.S. has been at war with Syria covertly since, like, 2007 and 2008. So who are we kidding? We have been... They have been at war. And, and it's no doubt that they have been. Uh, and they've been screwing up the lives of people over there, altering the trajectory of history artificially and needlessly uh, by creating these uh, rebel groups that are linked to al-Qaeda... I'm sure that the uh, the people of Syria would ha- would have had a much better time getting rid of Assad if the U.S. had never intervened in the first place. But what the U.S. did is created the uh, created this massive civil war that the biggest victims are the Syrian people, because one hand you have the Bashar al-Assad government that oppresses them, but then. You have these Al-Qaeda mercenaries that the U.S. government is paying off and training along with Israel and Saudi Arabia. It's either you get oppressed or you get like Hessian mercenary raped, killed and pillaged and maimed and have your organs like weird, you know, sick, sadistic stuff on the side of the people that the U.S. are backing. So you got to wonder. Yeah, we have been at war. We didn't stop anything. We just stopped a public military intervention that the public can see. But unfortunately... Not enough of the public gives a damn enough to go look beyond the surface and see that those covert CIA operations and see that those proxy attacks by the Israeli uh, military or Saudi black ops or U.S. CIA. It, it's, it's really, really, really sad that we're not paying attention to the covert actions. We'll make a big media stink about the strike. But Israel striking Syria again, not a peep. In other international news, in occupied Palestine, in the in the village of Bilin, uh, a garden emerges from Israeli tear gas canisters. So somebody has collected all the tear gas canisters that were thrown at them uh, during the Bilin demonstrations, and that's actually the focus of a great documentary called Five Broken Cameras," um, or actually a lot of people get killed for doing nothing but demonstrating that they don't want their land stolen. And, you know, graphic image of somebody getting killed right in front of your face. And that's what the Israeli military does. So it's a small, this garden is a small glimpse of life in the aftermath of much death and horror. And in other international news, um, Rabbis are seeking to design a new high-tech temple, and they want to tear down uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and they also want to tear down a, 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 another uh, temple as well, like one that's already there, but they're going to tear down both the Jewish temple and the historic Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is one of the holiest sites uh, in, in Jerusalem for Muslims. And fear is that the Israeli government 
is trying to do this so that they can incite another intifada and then crack down even more on Palestinians in addition to desecrating uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So double whammy right there. And yeah, nobody gives a damn. And it sucks because you shouldn't be able to do that. Nobody has extra rights. You know, just because you're of a certain religion doesn't automatically make you a good person. I had Rabbi Weiss of the Jews United Against Zionism on my show recently, and he said, gave a great analogy. If you, you're walking down the street and you come across somebody that's throwing a bunch of rocks and breaking windows of a business establishment, you go up and confront the person say, hey, stop doing that. Person keeps breaking the windows. You say, hey, over and over again, they keep breaking the windows, and, they, and then the person that's breaking the windows turns at you and says, hey, I'm Jewish. What are you, anti-Semitic? The logic of that, you know, you can't use your religion as, a, as an excuse to uh, live above us all. We all have rights. And Jews, Muslims, Christians, whatever, labels aside, we all have the same equal rights. That's such a hard concept to grasp, but when you have the Israeli government being able to break those fundamental natural rights that we all hold um, to steal other people's property, to, you know, to bomb or, you know, demolish the Al-Aqsa Mosque and get away with it, you know, we have a serious breakdown and there should be no collective punishment, but the individuals that are responsible for those crimes ought to be held accountable. Just like the Nazis didn't get let off for, oh, we were just following the orders. I think uh, people in the Israeli government ought to not get off for just following orders. How about having a brain and a conscience and a heart and a soul? Some of these war criminals don't have any of those. In other news, Dr. Dre sells out to the Carlisle Group. So Beats Headphones has been uh, acquired by uh, someone in relation to, or a company in relation to the Carlisle Group. And Carlisle Group is basically, you know, uh, uh, this shady uh, corporation investment, whatever, related to George Bush Sr., Henry Kissinger, uh, all these kind of like elite elites, you know, like e even uh, the Bin Laden family is related to the Carlisle Group. And this is where Carlisle Group ties into September 11th, is that on September 11th itself in 2001, George Bush Sr. was had a Carlisle Group meeting in Washington, D.C. with the half-brother of Osama Bin Laden. Why is that? Henry Kissinger couldn't get onto the 9-11 Commission because he couldn't answer no to the question, do you have any ties to the Bin Laden family via your Henry Kissinger and Associates Corporation? He couldn't say no to that. As soon as that be a simple no, no, I don't have any ties to Osama Bin Laden's family. And now Dr. Dre is, uh, you know, and same with Jay-Z and, and uh, all these kind of people that have just been bought out by, you know, these big people. And, um, yeah, they're kind of, you know, the uh, this buying out of the rap industry to dumb it down and to sell a, instead of selling us conscious rap like Tupac or Immortal Technique or KRS-One or Public Enemy, you get Jay-Z and you get now beats headphones it's it, it's sad the way the music industry is getting taken over 
uh, at least in in the rap realm. You, you know, you're more underground genres. It's they're already underground because they don't care about them and everything like that. So, um, the traffic outside in the North County San Diego area has no problems in the area where you can pick up KKSM and here in San Marcos. Just happens to be the wonderful 68 degrees out. Broadcasting live from KKSM for KKSM and LRN.FM. That has been your news. Freethoughtmedia.org. This is Free Thought Radio on the Free Thought Media Network. All right. So, want to go on to some music. Speaking of Immortal Technique, I want to play one song here. Um, this one is called The the Point of No Return because it has to do with the news story, the headline I had on on the Al-Aqsa Mosque. They're trying to, the Israeli government's trying to demolish it so they can incite uh, another, uh, you know, uh, uprising of, of Palestinians so that then they could have their, you know, military crackdown and, you know, uh, kind of like... What's going on around the world when you have all these fascist military crackdowns and everything like that? Um, and at the same time, destroy that site, destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So they get, they knock two birds out with one stone. They get to create this fascist police state and, you know, desecrate the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And that's one of the subjects in, in this song, uh, Point of No Return by Immortal Technique. So we'll be back right after this song, right at the top of the hour with my guest, Charles W. Johnson, editor of the book Markets Not Capitalism, and he's from the Alliance of the Libertarian Left. We'll be back with more Free Thought Radio right after this. Freethoughtmedia.org, KKSM, and LRN.FM. It's that real this time around. Technique. Revolutionary Volume 2. It's on now, mother. Lock and load. This is the point of no return. I can never go back. Life without parole. Upstate, shackled and trapped. Living in the hole. Looking at the world through a crack. But f- that. I'd rather shoot it out and get clapped. I've gone too far. There ain't no coming back for me. Auschwitz gas chamber full of Zyklon B. Just like the Spanish exterminating Tainos. Raping the black and Indian women. Creating Latinos. Mother made me out of self-righteous hatred and now you got yourself a virus stuck in the matrix a suicide bomber strapped and ready to blow lethal injection strapped down ready to go don't you understand they'll never let me live out in peace concrete jungle guerrilla war out in the streets nat turner with the sickle pitchfork and machete the end of the world mother are you not ready? This is the point of no return and nobody can stop it. Malcolm Little when he knelt before Elijah Muhammad, the comet that killed the dinosaurs, changing the earth. They love to criticize, they always say I change for the worse. Like prescription pills when you misusing them. The Templar Knights when they took Jerusalem and figured out what was buried under Solomon's temple. Al-Aqsa, the name is not coincidental. I know too much, the government is trying to murder me. No coming back like cutting your wrists open vertically. How could the serpent be purposely put in charge of the country? Genetic engineered sickness spread amongst me. My people are so hungry that they attack without reason. Like a dog ripping off the hand that feeds him. Immortal technique is treason to the Patriot Act. So come and get me, mother. 
Cause I'm not coming back This is the point from which I can never return And if I back down now Then forever I burn This is the point from which I can never retreat Cause if I turn back now There can never be peace This is the point from which I will die succeed Living the struggle I know I'm alive when I bleed From now on It can never be the same as before Cause the place that I'm from Doesn't exist anymore This is the point of no return you better believe this Mary Magdalene giving birth to the children of Jesus The evolution of the world, bloody and dramatic Human beings killing monkeys to conquer the planet The kingdoms of Africa and Mesopotamia Machine gun your body with depleted uranium This is the age of microchips and titanium The dark side of the moon in contact with aliens I started out like Australians, criminal minded Broke into hell, tore it down and built the city behind it Southpaw, murderous, methodology Remember that I'm just a man, don't follow me Cause once you pass the point, you can never go home You gotta face the possibility of dying alone So tell me, how could you die for the throne When you don't even got the heart to die for your own It rains acid, one day the earth will cry from a stone And you'll be looking at the world, living inside of a dome Computerized humanity, living inside of a clone This is the place where the unknown is living and real Wormwood, the planet X, and the seven seal Universal truth is not measured in mass appeal This is the last time that I kneel and pray to the sky Cause almost everything that I was ever told was a lie This is the point from which I can never return And if I back down now, then forever I burn This is the point from which I can never retreat Cause if I turn back now, there can never be peace This is the point from which I will die succeed Living the struggle, I know I'm alive when I bleed From now on, it can never be the same as before Cause the place that I'm from doesn't exist anymore You're listening to KKSM and 1320 Oceanside, PalomarCollegeRadio.com. Since time began, tyrants have taken aim at personal liberties. Now there's a movie that aims back. The government has no more right to tell us what to put in our bodies than they have to take our guns or tell us what books we can read. I wonder how prohibitionists would feel if they saw medical marijuana vastly improve the life of someone dear to them. Today, many cops who enforce pot laws do so only because it provides them with cushy jobs, good benefits, and a chance to push people around. I was an undercover narcotics officer. The drug war is nothing but a farce. Six drug police were eaten by bears while raiding a marijuana farm. On your knees, you dirty hippies! Jesus. On your knees! What's the problem, officer? The Second Amendment says you gotta keep you and your gat intact. Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. A film by Michael W. Dean and Nima Vidati. Available from GunsAndWeed.com Step inside the gazebo of horror with me, Sinister Sammy Orlando. Every week, I, Sinister Sammy Orlando, present two classic creature features from the golden age of radio, guaranteed to chill your blood, raise your hair on end, and shock your senses. Join me if you dare every Saturday night from 9 to 10 for the Gazebo of Horror only on KKSM, the radio revolution. The federal government would like to remind you that while some will tell you to think for yourself, this is not necessary as we have taken care of this for you. Simply pledge allegiance to those who keep you safe and avoid dangerous behavior, worst of which, questioning authority. 
How long do you want to live in blissful ignorance while each day the state assumes more power over you and your stuff? Do you remember signing off on that? Or do you accept it because it is what it is? I'm sure it feels real nice to tune out, hang out at the mall with your BFFs, and if you have a problem, just vote for the other power-hungry political party for your solutions. I don't have the luxury because one day I found something out. I own myself. And you know what useful thing is in there? My brain! The state can keep trying to tell you what to do from the barrel of a gun, but it's up to you to decide who controls your thoughts. Free your mind from the status quo. It's the first step towards reclaiming your liberty. Ah, uh, well, you got us there. Listen to Cody O'Connor's Off There Live every Thursday and Saturday night at 10 Eastern. It's dangerous, hilarious, and live on LRN.FM. See why the government's cracking down. Introducing the two drugs that are legal, alcohol and cigarettes, two drugs that do nothing for you whatsoever. And drugs that grow naturally upon this planet. Drugs that open your eyes up to make you realize how you're being every day of your life. Those drugs are against the law. Wow. Free Thought Radio, waking you up to the fact that you're being screwed by the system every day of your life since 2010. Only on KKSM AM 1320, the radio revolution, and LRN.FM, the radio network. FreeThoughtMedia.org. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio, part of the Free Thought Media Network. Also, Free Thought TV is on YouTube. You can check that all out. All the links at freethoughtmedia.org. And speaking of drugs, did you know that Jamaica just, like just, just, just recently decriminalized marijuana? Well, I thought, I thought that would happen a long time ago. But at the same time, you know, California hasn't either. That's why I have uh, Nathan Arnold of the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative coming up at the top of the next hour. And, of course, you can listen to the show every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. on KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution uh, in North County, San Diego, or Cox Cable Channel 957 in all of San Diego County, or streaming live on the interwebs, Tet Interwebs, at freethoughtmedia.org slash live with a webcam and the audio. So you can see my face right here. On, you know, everybody has a face for radio, so... Um, but... My guest for this hour is going to talk about how uh, libertarian ideas uh, can relate uh, to uh, leftist ends or morals, and and certainly uh, you know that the notion of the state being this entity that has the monopoly on violence, meaning that you can use a gun with extra rights. So you can, uh, where you and I don't have the right to use a gun in a certain fashion, like use a gun to point it at somebody smoking marijuana and say, you put that joint down because I know what's best for you or I'll shoot you or threaten you with, threaten you with this gun so I can imprison you. That would be, you know, threatening and kidnapping. Um, but put on a policeman's badge and all of a sudden you have extra rights. Well, corporations love that extra rights, ability to use a gun with impunity, whereas civilians cannot. So that's where militarism comes in. The book Confessions of an Economic Hitman, Foreign Aid, the reason why we invade countries has to do with the banking cartel. So a lot of you know the societal privileges of the 1% has to do with the state. Uh, and of course, 
corporations get their charter from the state. So they love the special advantages that the state provides via that monopoly on violence. Why use logic and reason to get people to buy your products when you can just gun them down in Middle Eastern countries, get your resources, and then shove it down the throats of your sheeple Americans uh, who are, are, can't rise up and use hemp as a fuel because that, that's what liberty is about. It's freedom. And the biggest privileges of the elites come from the lack of freedom, from you not having the freedom to farm on your own property or just the the you know the rigged situation of the the zoning laws of your city and then the federal reserve financing of the housing industry creating all these levitt towns uh paving concrete over great soil that you could you know self-sustain entire populations with now you just have crappy grass with artificial fertilizer fluoridated water coming through the through the sprinkler system so we're going to talk about how uh liberty can advance environmental issues can advance the wealth gap uh, issues can advance all kinds of war issues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I interviewed Charles Johnson here of the Libertarian Left Alliance at Libertopia 2013 about a month ago. Uh, so we'll we'll talk all about uh, how the principles of liberty can relate to people from all the false spectrum of the left and right paradigm. Because the left and right is really created by this mainstream media and the two party system. It isn't really real. It creates these rigid stereotypes for people to fall into. So we're going to talk about how liberty is communicated to all people because liberty is natural to all people. Hi there, I'm here at Libertopia 2013 in San Diego. I'm joined now by Charles Johnson of the Center for Stateless Society and Alliance of the Libertarian Left. Charles, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, so give us an introduction of what it means to be uh, from the Libertarian Left. Sure. Well, I guess the easiest way I could put it is just that the Libertarian Left is um, sort of the, the basic ideas that we're trying to achieve um, left-wing ends through libertarian means. And so the number of social and economic goals that are traditionally associated with the, with the left in American political debates, goals like um, goals like gay liberation, like um, feminism, like anti-racism, opposition to oppression based on class, race, gender identity, sexuality, and um, also a number of concerns about ecological sustainability and about conditions for workers and corporate power. Right, so we have a number of these concerns about disparities of social and economic power, um, of uh, oppression, and um, these are things that we think are all um, very real social concerns, that um, the, the problems are very serious problems, and that the kind of values that uh, the anti-authoritarian left has upheld are, are very real and important values that we want to try and We're also libertarians, we believe in libertarian means. So, uh, these are, these are goals that we can achieve without laws, without government programs, without um, political bosses or bureaucracies. Um, they're not things that we need, uh, they're not things that we need sort of legal interventions in order to address because we don't need social control to solve them. We need social movements, we need grassroots organizing. Uh, and so we try to work to uh, bring about uh, not only freer but also um, in addition to a freer, more, uh, more equal, uh, more liberated society uh, through consensual, stateless, voluntary means. Exactly. And you are wearing a button that says "Markets, not capitalism." Yes. And why is it important, especially from the libertarian perspective of non-aggression, mm -hmm. 
which should apply to state individuals, groups, but also uh, businesses and corporations that the point of, uh, of production is to offer value and serve uh, humanity and people that would voluntarily exchange with you. Mm -hmm. But why should uh, profits and, and business activities stop at where forces apply via whether the, the military industrial complex or other civil means? Sure. So, um, you know, part of the reason that we try to distinguish markets from capitalism is because we want to insist that there's a really important distinction between um, free exchange, which we're all for and which we think is extremely important and sort of key to the kinds of libertarian things that we're talking about. Um, and the corporate economy, you know, sort of uh, domination of the economic scene by a handful of corporations, politically connected corporations, so Fortune 500 business models, um, and sort of accumulation of large amounts, you know, sort of, uh, sort of vast disparities and sort of very concentrated control of economic ownership and economic management in our day-to-day -day lives. And one of the key means through which this happens is, as you were saying, through um, uh, business privilege through businesses that have um, very good access to the political means, using it to burn out their competition, to get government uh, uh, government bailouts, government monopolies, um, and so you know, uh, use of uh, use of uh, USDA subsidies, for example, to prop up industrial agribusiness. Uh, the the really powerful dependence of um, you know, some corporate empires like Microsoft, Apple. Time Warner um, and, and a number of others on um, uh, intellectual property monopolies, on patents and copyrights enforced through the state, um, and also you know um, companies like the company formerly known as Blackwater, which has gone through its fourth or fifth name by now, um, GEO Group, which used to be called Black and Hut, um, you know, contractors that provide you know, that contractors that provide privately managed state force and contractors that work very closely with the military-industrial complex, um, that what these businesses are doing as they grow and as they accumulate resources is not free exchange, it's not mutual benefit, it's, it's, just, uh, it's, just, um, uh, it's just coercion and force with profits going into private pockets. Uh, and this has nothing to do with the kind of, the kind of um, peaceful and consensual market society that uh, libertarians and market anarchists Talk about how the Federal Reserve plays into that. They create this kind of rigid set where everybody's kind of tethered to this dollar. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially like someone my age, if I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I have to go work a minimum wage job and save up, sure. but the savings are continually get to get decimated. In a free market, there would be no private central bank issuing fake money sure. uh, and then expecting a debt to be repaid to that. Mm -hmm. um, people could accumulate capital much easier, much quicker, and in smaller amounts because purchasing power would go up and it doesn't even need to be money. It could be something mm -hmm. like growing food. Sure. Uh, how does the Federal Reserve, you know, create that uh, rigid, coercive economy, but it benefits, you know, small government? Sure. Yeah. So the the 19th century individualist anarchist Benjamin Tucker, uh, in in writing about uh, in writing about the structure of capitalism and how uh, sort of very hierarchical corporate economies are created. Um, would talk about four monopolies that the state maintained, and there was a monopoly. Talked about a monopoly on land in terms of like limiting access to connected developers. There's a monopoly on ideas in the form of patents and copyrights. There were monopolies that were propped up by means of protectionism, um, sort of favors to domestic producers, uh, and then 
the, the, one, the one which he considered the biggest and most powerful and destructive one was the money monopoly, government regulation and control of um, uh, monetary media itself and also sort of, you know, the organization of, of banking and other ways that people sort of work together to pool money and to circulate it. Um, and so there's an extremely extensive system of you know, essentially government-managed finance. Um, and the sort of the very shape of, of Walmart, uh, Walmart uh, well, Walmart's got its own problems, but the very shape of Wall Street is what I meant to say. Um, the very shape of sort of Wall Street as we know it, of large finance firms um, and of big banks is, is thoroughly dependent on and thoroughly collaborating with the state and its interests. The Federal Reserve is, is right now the linchpin of the system. Um, and so they, they've taken it among, uh, upon themselves to, um, you know, to create an easily manipulable medium of exchange for financial, you know, for, for government financing purposes, essentially, to make sure that government debt keeps getting cycled through and keeps getting serviced. Um, they've excluded, uh, established a monopoly on it, so they've excluded the possibility uh, to a great extent of moving on to alternative currencies. Um, and they, of course, you know, of course, their their major function at this point is to provide, you know, they've provided $27 trillion of bailouts to failing banks uh, between 2008 and 2011, and which is twice, twice GDP of the United States. Right. And so the, you know, in, in a lot of ways, they're an institution that now exists solely to, to in, um, pour tremendous and increasing and escalating amounts of resources into maintaining the financial and the economic status quo, into preserving the habitats of endangered capitalists so that their business model won't go extinct as it should. Um, and in a, in a freer society, uh, these sort of uh, giants of finance who uh, sort of thoroughly pervade our lives in so many ways, constrain us through sort of the massive debt system that we're part of. Um, through personal debts, commercial debts, and just the, the difficulty of being able to make your own living uh, because access to capital is concentrated, and it's concentrated in the hands of, of business owners and capitalists rather than being widely dispersed amongst ordinary working people. Um, the, that system is um, that system is maintained and serviced through a massive system of privilege uh, that you know, the, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Treasury both sort of sit right in the center. Certainly, and, and like the, you have the money control and the land control. But when you have land control, they say you know if you have a recording studio in a residential zone, that's an illegal business activity. Mm -hmm. Prevents entrepreneurship. That's right. And then, and then you have the then you have the money situation to that. It, it's hard to you know you have a depreciating right. dollar. Um, and so, so the effect is the effect is to create this massive ratchet up on fixed costs of living. Right. They they effectively. You know, there, there's a um, through big laws and little laws, they, they uh, effectively engineer this system of sort of single-use suburban living with very high fixed costs, where uh, it's very difficult to make dual uses of property to to sort of uh, bring things that you already had into new use that will help you improve your lives at the farming margin. Yeah, it's, it becomes difficult to engage in farming, uh, the sort of the agri industrial agribusiness model is heavily subsidized. Um, and uh, so in, in, a, in a freer society with free markets, what you would expect to see is, is a much more experimental 
uh, framework. Is people people would be constantly um, would be constantly sort of repurposing things and making use in creative ways of their labor and their property on the margins so that you can get by without a boss, so that you can get by without having to deal with a landlord, um, and so you can get by without sort of massive and constantly piling up debt. Exactly, and then that's why free markets are much better for consumers because, like you said, the kind of in a freer society, that those at the top will always have it be constantly threatened by new people, with new competition, and without sure. a monopoly on the dollar, that makes it much more easier. And without a monopoly on food, where it's like it's kind of a control thing, where it's like the the Wicker v. Filbert thing with the commerce or the interstate commerce clause saying mm -hmm. you can't grow your own wheat, but then yeah. you suddenly need these guys for food rather than relying on yourselves. Mm -hmm. um, when you say markets, not capitalism, because markets involve more than just the capitalism. That's it right. Involves, and it's kind of more of a horizontal thing where everybody, it's all based on voluntary exchange, so everybody has a kind of equal, uh, right. on a level playing field. Right, so what, what we're urging is a, a mutualist economy rather than a corporate economy. So, rather, so of course it's important that competition is important, but it's important to see that competition doesn't just mean businesses competing with each other or capitalists competing with other capitalists like Walmart versus Target yeah. or something like that. It also involves ordinary workers and just ordinary people competing with capitalism, being able to provide alternatives that are outside of the corporate nexus. So you have worker owned so that you have worker owned businesses, you have people independently making a living with their own resources. Um, you have uh, a neighborhood mutual aid rather, um, rather than being dependent on you know, like corporate insurance, um, and that uh, you know we're able to produce these people-powered alternatives that uh, can provide something much more human and much more positive, um, and much more you know much more sort of under the control of and serving the needs of the people who use them who depend on them than sort of current capitalist modes of production. Exactly. If libertarianism benefited uh, uh, big business so much as, as our detractors try to say, mm -hmm. wouldn't we already have libertarianism? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so it's, it's, it's ex you know, look, the, the last people on earth who want any kind of market order are the people who are at the top of the market right now. Because they own the market due to political privilege. Um, and so, you know, I mean, Chase Manhattan would be bankrupt tomorrow if not for the immediate intervention of federal government. General Motors would be bankrupt if not for the if not for massive influxes of cash from the federal government. Um, and so, not only in the sort of the spectacular form of the big bailouts that we've seen just over the past few years, but throughout history, the, the biggest drivers of um, invasive regulation of uh, sort of uh, the growth of government bureaucracy. Uh, as, uh, there's a lot of really good uh, libertarian um, and also new left work that's been done on the progressive area by authors like Gabriel Kolko in his book The Triumph of Conservatism, uh, and also by Roy Childs in Big Business and the Rise of American Statism, which is, has, um, and Butler Schaefer also has a great book called In Restraint of Trade, um, which is, has really gone through and documented how, um, you know, the the progressive, so-called progressive regulatory state that we have today is the product of business lobbying because the extensive use of regulation um, it would, has been very handy to them in being able to drive out smaller competitors. This was actively lobbied for by the National Civic Federation, by groups that were heavily supported by Carnegie and by um, uh, J.P. Morgan and the other, the other robber barons in order, to, in order to create a new government-managed economy. That they could benefit from, being, you know, that they could profit from most, because they could control the government. 
um, and use it as, as their most deadly weapon against their competitors. And, and, and war certainly plays into a lot of it um, with, uh, because, yes. I mean, they, in, in a free society they could attempt to use force, but the, the, the property of the state is that they have the exclusive monopoly on force to be able to use force with yes. impunity, uh, where otherwise you and I would be considered criminals or murderers or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so the cor corporations want this, the state to be able to use force without any kind of consequences, such mm -hmm. as even as big, whether it's your small-time policeman drawing a gun on a raw food store, mm -hmm. or you've got a military guy going uh, and uh, doing the bidding of corporations in these unjust wars, sure. uh, what, hap what would happen if they lost that ability to use force with impunity? Uh, then I think that their their corporate empires would largely collapse under their own way. So, you know, as, as I said, they're, you know, uh, the top corporations in the Fortune 500 would virtually all be bankrupt tomorrow if not for the government privileges that they enjoy, either because they've gotten big infusions of cash like, um, uh, like Chase or Bank of America, or because their whole business model depends on exploiting government monopoly, as in the case of the, the intellectual property monopolists uh, who depend on copyrights and patents. Um, the, of course, it's true that, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, we've been robbed of a lot of stuff, and there's been a lot of concentrated wealth in the hands of, of um, capitalist corporations. And so it may well be that, you know, sort of the, you know, the top tier just collapse completely because they're completely dependent on the state. Um, others might stay around for a while, but I think they'd have a hard time competing with, you know, sort of the freer alternatives that we can develop amongst ourselves, um, more mutual alternatives. Um, also, that uh, in a free society, those that don't collapse under their own weight, we can and should sort of take it on ourselves to push them over, non-violently speaking, yeah. I mean, um, not, not pushing them over through the use of force, but by creating um, grassroots, uh, you know, grassroots social and economic movements to, uh, um, uh, you know, to, to build the alternatives and to build, you know, uh, to build new cooperative models to, to uh, help each other out through grassroots mutual aid. Um, uh, to protest their uh, their abusive or exploitative actions, to hold them accountable, um, and so uh, ultimately to make you know, to to make their business models unsustainable because what we demand as workers and consumers is something other than what they provide. Um, so yeah, a number of things go out of business immediately, and those that don't become called to account and put out of business immediately. Definitely, uh, talk a bit about. Uh, Ecologically, that that regard, like uh, people will try to say that anarchism is going to be complete chaos, but really, it's just an it's just an absence of a state. People can still be held accountable for violating people's rights sure. using force, and that includes pollution, like if you dump a vat of nuclear waste. But so often we see government subsidizing pollution, for example, with water fluoridation or subsidizing Monsanto through to produce GMOs, which violate everybody's rights by messing up the gene home in the, bio, in the biosphere. Sure. Um, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, well, no, so I've, I've been an environmental activist for years, and, and one of, you know, there, there are, I guess, you know, three main things to keep in mind. One is that, um, and the, the three main things to keep in mind are going to be the extent to which, as, as you were saying, government causes um, 
uh, I mean, directly causes a number of environmental problems that would just be simply eliminated if it weren't for state coercion and state control. The second is that um, government also consistently gets in the way of people seeking justice for damage that's done to them. And the third is that um, sort of uh, elect, you know, the focus on politics as the means of trying to solve environmental problems has has meant that a lot of a lot of activist energy and a lot of interest is drawn off into sort of a political game rather than into creating you know, a culture of sustainability and a culture of concern for the environment through cultivating day-to-day -day practices that will improve things. And so I mean on those in terms of the damage the government does, you, know, you mentioned GMOs and your right to do so also of course the dependence of Monsanto on the state. In addition of course, the state heavily subsidizes and heavily manages its access to fossil fuels industries. Yeah. Um, these are largely done through nationalized oil fields in, uh, you know, uh, so in other countries, typically. Um, but of course, in this country, the multinational corporations that, that work those nationalized oil fields then call in the military in order to secure their interests. Um, similar. Uh, Further, the, the U.S. military is the largest emitter of greenhouse gases in the world. They, they're completely exempt from all government environmental regulations, all emissions controls, um, and they routinely churn out huge amounts of uh, uh, destructive pollution just you know just from running tanks. Let alone what it means when they um, uh, bombard innocent people with, with depleted uranium and poison poison countries for for decades to come. Um, in terms of, uh, similarly, as, as um, uh, the, the also, you know, so one of the major concerns about deforestation, for example, is specifically um, government subsidies to clear-cut logging and to other forms of destructive logging in national forest land. Government builds roads for loggers to come in and charges below market rates for them to take timber out, um, and so the. Um, a lot of the wilderness defense campaigns that have happened uh, within the environmental movement over the past 20 years have been specifically uh, resisting a, a direct corporate subsidy for big timber and paper companies. Um, in, in terms of the, the things that where government prevents ordinary people from getting compensation for damage that's done to them, what you might want to look at are problems like um, uh, uh, problems like mountaintop removal and um, strip mining, other forms of extremely destructive extractive industry, uh, in which people's homes and livelihoods are destroyed by runoff and by the toxic effects of these practices. Uh, but the, co the corporations that do it are routinely insulated from uh, uh, any claims on them for compensation. Uh, because they're doing it, they often do it on public land to begin with, uh, through cutting a deal with the state or the federal government. And the state or the federal government um, uh, manages the process of, of protecting them from being sued for what they're doing. Local environmental agency has signed off on has signed off on what they're doing. So, what does it matter that you can't drink your water anymore? Um, and finally, as I said, in addition to things where sort of direct claims for compensation would make a difference, there's also just you know, the, in a lot of ways, sort of small things that people do on the margins that add up to big problems are things that we really need to address uh, through developing a grassroots culture of uh, environmental responsibility and of sustainability. Um, 
and that's something that you don't need laws for and the laws really harm because they take our attention away from what we're doing in our own lives and how we can work together with our neighbors to provide more, uh, more sustainable alternatives and ecologically sounder alternatives and focus us on this fight over the bureaucratic rules that um, uh, dissipates our energy and um, sort of puts all of the power, uh, puts all of the power in terms of what we'll protest and what we resist and so on into the hands of uh, a government bureaucracy rather than in, in the hands of the environmental ourselves. Exactly, and it is a bit of laziness because the power does lie with the us. We should, we should be the ones to, to be that change and to do it ourselves. Um, for those just joining, I, I'm speaking here with Charles Johnson, uh, Center for a Stateless Society and Alliance of Libertarian Left, and editor of the book Markets Not Capitalism. Do you have any final words for our listeners, and where can they find uh, the various organizations that you belong to online? Sure. So the Center for Stateless Society is uh, has a website at c4ss.org. Uh, that's C number four, letter C number four, letter S, letter S.org. Um, the uh, Alliance of the Libertarian Left Distro, which is a, a publishing outfit that carries uh, books and pamphlets on many of the things that I've been talking about, is at distro, that's D-I-S-T-R-O, dot libertarianleft, all one word, dot org. Uh, and I have a personal blog at radgeek.com. Um, I guess in terms of uh, final words, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, and um, the... Uh, I really hope that we can sort of you know, continue and broaden this conversation about uh, you know, sort of grassroots alternatives and how they can uh, how they can play into uh, how they can play into a sort of a fully liberated uh, fully liberated market exchange. Definitely. Well, thank you again for joining us program. Yeah. And that was Charles Johnson of the Alliance of the Libertarian Left. Uh, I interviewed him at Libertopia 2013 about a month ago. So I want to play a few songs that have to do with what we're talking about. And I, uh, one of those things, you know, just the, the, the libertarian kind of like, you know, non-aggression stance that you don't have a right to initiate force on another person. The only use of force is in the defensive mode against somebody that has already done it. Or to maybe, you know, if somebody is beyond a reasonable doubt, suspicious of a crime, then they should be given due process of law. Or maybe if a police officer can stop a rape or a murder in the act, all power to them. But it's the opposite of that. We live in the friggin' twilight zone where they go after peaceful people and that takes away police resources from the real crimes. The libertarian, from the left standpoint, the libertarian view of non-aggression should be applied to businesses and corporations as well. There are some within the libertarian movement that like to apologize for corporations and say, oh, what a great uh, society we live in, um, and point out to all these examples, but we don't live in a free market. So our, our economy is based on privilege and hierarchy and not uh, you know, the ability of people to innovate freely because they can't get that minimum wage job to save up the capital to be able to afford to take a risk and invent something or innovate, especially in this Federal Reserve system. And that, and forget about the Federal Reserve and the capital domination of the elites, thanks to the state with the banking cartel and the Federal Reserve system. What about the war machine? You know that p innocent people have their blood spilled in Middle Eastern countries, all for the profit of a wealthy few, for them to extract resources or make things cheaper. For example, Israel, 
I have some pants right now that are made out of 100% hemp. Why? Well, also because I want to be, you know, ecological and, and support hemp agriculture. But Levi's has a factory in occupied Palestine in an illegal Israeli settlement. So I boycott Levi's and do the whole BDS thing against the Israeli uh, government um, by buying hemp pants. That's the way you could do it on the grassroots level is the BDS movement, but also that corporations should not use force to achieve profits, whether it's you know stealing land from Palestinians or invading Iraq or, or a cop drawing a gun on somebody selling raw milk. No corporation should use the state's force to achieve their goals. They could try to use force without the state, but in a free society, whether it's a government or an anarchist society where there are private mechanisms of keeping people accountable, either way, if you use force, you should be held accountable. In a government situation, I would hope that it's a limited government, that its only role is to go after people that have already harmed other people and not to go after peaceful people. That's why police officers should be peace officers, including the military. Or in an anarchist society where if somebody dumps a vat of nuclear waste and not only contaminates your property if they're your neighbor, but contaminates the entire region because of the poison of radioactivity. Like TEPCO and Fukushima, they should be held fully accountable. But thanks to the state, they pass these things called liability cap laws. BP is only liable for a cool $100 million. That's peanuts to them. The taxpayers pick up the rest and they're not even responsible for the environmental damage. They get to walk off scot-free. And you know what? BP funded the Nazis with oil back when they were Standard Oil and owned by Rockefeller. Rockefeller dealt heavily in making sure that the Luftwaffe had to fly. I'm not going to be apologizing for corporations. I'm not going to be pointing to the current economy we have now as some wondrous uh, free market when it isn't. It's this heavy top-down corporatist society, whether you have a Republican label on it or a Democrat label on it. They're all puppets of these same big corporations that love to use the state's monopoly on violence. So I'm not going to apologize for Monsanto saying, no, we shouldn't march against Monsanto because they're a business and we have to be pro-business because we're libertarians. No, I don't think libertarian is pro-business. Even Jeffrey Myron, author of Libertarianism A to Z, Gary Johnson's economic advisor, saying that capitalism is in, it, in its true form, and I know Charles Johnson doesn't even like to use the term capitalism because it focuses only on the capitalist, but let's say if it meant what we're talking about, which is no use of force by these corporations and no corporatism, no fascism, no top-down you know, control of our society by these financial elites, um, that it actually benefits the consumer because Businesses have a hard-ass time competing, with e not just with each other, but against people that might spring out of nowhere and do something new, uh, and that they don't have any of these restrictions from the federal government restrictions down to your local government restrictions, uh, which are put in place by corporations. It, it benefits the consumer. So, uh, you know, it, it benefits everybody because people are creating things of value, like planting a hemp seed in the ground taking that hemp plant, turning it into a pair of pants like the pants that I'm wearing right now. That's all value. That's that's what free markets are about. It, it allows for the you the freedom to plant that hemp seed. Once that hemp plant grows, that's part of the supply. So supply and demand isn't this mystical thing. It happens because you actually put the effort in to put the seed into the ground, to grow it, 
and then to turn it into a pair of pants. That's how supply comes about from you actually working. So you have to actually get out there and do it. But the government restricts you not just through corporatist laws against hemp, but entirely hemp prohibition. Hemp prohibition is the biggest example of why we don't have a free market. If hemp were to be legalized across the board, it would be a literal revolution. The economy would be turned upside down. We wouldn't be invading countries for petroleum because we can make anything that's made out of plastic with hemp instead of petroleum. That would be, and what would that do for ecology? My gosh, don't you see the corporatism behind hemp prohibition? So I'm not going to apologize for corporations as a libertarian. So I'm going to take the true libertarian position, and uh, which I think a lot of people do, most people do. Uh, only the the establishment or Republicans really try to call themselves libertarians, yet be cohorts for the corporations. Most libertarians would apply the non-aggression principle to businesses and corporations and not defend people like Monsanto or, or J.P. Morgan or the Federal Reserve or Lockheed Martin uh, or, or, or uh, Booz Allen Hamilton or the Carlyle Group or the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds, you know, uh, that, that's not, uh, or, or, or even the Koch brothers, regardless of, you know, I love Reason Magazine and whatever, but uh, I, I think that's where uh, there are some problems because people like to stigmatize libertarians as, you know, corporate freedom. But like I said, where's where's the libertarianism if they love us so much? I mean, we're going in the exact opposite direction of corporatism and fascism instead of liberty. So this is the song Fascist Pig by Suicidal Tendencies. And after that, I want to play a bit of the march against Monsanto with uh, the uh, Bronner's, uh, Michael and David Bronner uh, 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 of Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps. They were at March Against Monsanto this past Saturday. Um, so this is Fascist Pig by Suicidal Tendencies and then Toxicity by System of a Down right here on KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. Let's be, let's fight, what's true, we don't 
you want that's why you're still kids because you're stupid just tell me what's wrong what the freaking show the only way you'll get me to talk is through slow painful torture and i don't think you've got the grapes kksm am 1320 oceanside the radio revolution i'm alex fiddle host of free thought radio as long as they don't feel their environment they don't worry about it they're not going to do anything to change it and something's got to be done before america scarfs up the world on it tune in as i break down the corporate media's myths in regards to the news and the morality of war how are we going to keep building nuclear weapons what's going to happen to the arms industry when we realize we're all one (laughs) it's going to up the economy the economy that's fake anyway I also share genres of music excluded by the mainstream radio, such as heavy metal. And I'll tell you what, you can't kill metal. Plenty of guest interviews, from musicians to presidential candidates to screaming spacemen. 
your source for independent, libertarian, progressive, and anti-war viewpoints and honest music is live Mondays from 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time, only on KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, and podcasting on LRN.FM, Liberty Radio Network. Visit the website and donate Bitcoin at freethoughtmedia.org. Free Talk Live. You give someone an ounce of liberty and they'll go around abusing it and harming everyone else with it. If we legalize guns... People um, be shooting people everywhere. Right. If you legalize prostitution, people will be having sex on the street corners. <laughs> if you legalize drugs, we'll have heroin vending machines in the streets. We've heard it all on Free Talk Live. <laughs> they take it to the most absurd, illogical extremes, and you're absolutely right, Alexander. It's okay for them to have freedom. Yeah, you can give them a gun. They won't go around shooting people, but watch out with their neighbor because you give them a gun, they'll go around in a rampage around right. the city killing everyone. Oh, oh, but yes, they can be trusted, and apparently the government can be trusted, too, because magically, oh, yeah. magically, we only elect the best of the best, the cream of the crop. The bureaucrats that are administering <laughs> these programs are the upper echelon of society, the most trustworthy individuals. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when I squint, I swear I can see a halo above their heads. <laughs> Free Talk Live, seven nights a week from 7 to 10 Eastern, live on the Liberty Radio Network at LRN.FM. We're involved in sort of a low-key war against apathy, where they might, just for a second, question enough of their environment to do something about it. As long as they don't feel their environment, they don't worry about it, they're not going to do anything to change it. And something's got to be done before America scarfs up the world and on it. Free Thought Radio, your source for independent music, independent talk, from independent minds. Only on KKSM AM 1320 the radio revolution and podcasting on lrn.fm the liberty radio network freethoughtmedia.org welcome back to free thought radio now i'm going to play uh the bronners of dr bronner's magic soaps which i use exclusively no sponsorship there i just like what they do and um yeah this is from march against monsanto happened this saturday so here's what they got to say about the GMOs. Ban GMOs! Ban GMOs! Ban GMOs! Ban GMOs! For our last guest, I have here David Bronner and Michael Bronner. Pardon me. They'll introduce themselves. They don't need much of an introduction. How many of you out? How many of you out there remember Prop 37, the uh, proposition of banning genetically modified foods? Not ban, the label genetically modified foods. How, how many of you were pissed off when it when it lost? How many of you thought that the junk food manufacturers and the pesticide manufacturers bought their votes? How many of you thought that? Most people voted against their best interests because of these lies. So how many of you wish we had a second chance? Now, what if I was to tell you there is a second chance? Even if it's not in California, it's up in Washington State, but you can all play a role. And it's called I-522, you can look at my shirts. It's basically the same bill, the same proposition that happened down here, but they're voting on it in Washington states. Now, 
One state can change the nation. One state can change the nation. If GMOs are labeled up there, they'll be labeled down here. Yeah. So my brother is going to tell you how you can help to make this happen. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we were early and big supporters of Prop 37. Uh, you know, we activated on the GMO issue in the last five years as it became increasingly clear that genetic engineering is a pesticide industry boondoggle. Uh, you know, rather than moving our farmers and agriculture off the chemical treadmill, it's doubling down on it. It's about chemical companies buying the seed industry in this country and engineering resistance to their pesticides, which that technology is rapidly failing. Weeds are becoming resistant. More and more weed killers going on our food. You know, next generation ge genetically engineered crops are going to be 2,4-D and dicamba resistant, much more toxic, older herbicides. 2,4-D is the main ingredient in Agent Orange. Uh, you know, this needs to stop. And you know, Amer Americans need to wake up to the secret changes that the chemical industry is making to our food and demand transparency in food labeling. And as soon as we get that right, you know, most people are going to say, hey, maybe I'm going to have the not genetically engineered tofu. Right, and this is what happened in Europe. They didn't ban it; they labeled it, and basically the market evaporated. So, you know, this is what you know, and this is why they're fighting us like they are. The pesticide and junk food manufacturers put in 47 million last year in California, and you know, we we lost by two points, right? And you know, we learned a lot of lessons as a movement. Now we're in Washington State. We're a lot more coordinated. The money got in a lot earlier. We have one seventh of the population. Most of the media is in the Seattle media market. We have 10 different ads. We've been up already three weeks toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. We have fun ads like we got a corporate suit hiding labels from a grandmother shopper. I mean, just really good stuff that cuts through all the lies and the BS that they're throwing at us. So go uh, go to 522.com. Yes, on 522.com, the volunteer donate. Everyone can phone bank. I'm the finance chair. We already got seven, six million bucks in. Nice. GMAs, draw, they just dropped five million. They're scared. Million in Washington State, it's like 30 million here. You know, they've you now they've got 17 million already. You know, their power. You know, they they're desperate because they know a state like Washington goes. You know, the sky's not going to fall. The costs aren't going to go up, and we're going to have national labeling. So that's why it's so important for them not to let uh, even one state go because it's going to just expose the charade. And then it also they're desperate because well, guess what? We can also label. How about CAFO? How about CAFO meat? dairy and eggs. Like, you do not want to see these consumer-led initiatives succeed, because obviously it opens up, you know, all kinds of truth and, and exposes the light on all kinds of crap of the industrial ag machine. Anyways, uh, yeah, you know, yesm522.com and also a shout-out to my friends at Occupy Monsanto. Occupy-monsanto.com Go down to the second video. The most hardcore, most hardcore action ever, Super Balls of the Wall. Uh, the, uh, Biotech Industry Awards Committee, the Biox, uh, went and awarded uh, a bunch of other uh, biotech henchmen, all their congressional uh, stooges. Yeah, the Monsanto Minions were just uh, given the Monsanto Minion Awards, and $2,000 and $1 bills were dropped on Congress, and basically Congress was just called for being like so in the pocket of the you know Monsanto uh, industrial ag machine. And it's a brilliant action. It's a great video, so go check it out. Occupy Monsanto. Dot com. Yeah. And one last. 
And that was David Bronner of Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps talking about how you should vote yes on 522 if you live in the state of Washington to label genetically modified foods. And that was at the March Against Monsanto this past weekend. So I want to play two songs before we go to the commercials and then the news. Um, and then at the top of the next hour, I have my guest Nathan Arnold of the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative. So I... F- 522 in Washington is a ballot initiative to put la- to do labeling of GMO foods. That's already on the ballot. California Cannabis Hemp Initiative is not on the ballot. It would legalize cannabis and hemp in the state of California. Basically, have California go the way of Washington and Colorado. But what's interesting about this initiative is, is that it doesn't create any new government agencies. It's uh, very well written. It also bans genetically modified cannabis and hemp. So I think if California were to pass this bill, it would stick a fork right in the eye of Monsanto. That's why if this is put on the ballot, they're going to put their money against this initiative big time. So that's why you need to not just say, oh, I'm an activist. You need to get up off your couch and say you're an activist and actually talk to enough people, whatever it is, whatever strategies you use, whether it's going to a park and handing out literature or just talking to your neighbor. Better than not talking to your neighbor. You pitch your two cents as best as you can. Otherwise, the initiative will fail. So we're going to talk about the initiative at the top of the next hour with a rep from the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative. What we're doing today on Free Thought Radio is Op Cannabis. So, you know, Anonymous has their hashtags Op NSA, hashtag, now they have one called Op Cannabis. So Free Thought Radio is participating in Op Cannabis by having you call into the hotline at 760-736-8375 and come on the air and say you will you are pledging to sign the ballot petitions to get uh, the hemp initiative on the ballot. You have to be registered to vote in California, so only California registered voters. It's a bit of a novelty, yeah, to have you call in, but it's you know, it's something and it lets people, it's an example to other people. Hey, these guys are getting involved. I'm, I want to pledge to sign too. I want to find uh, somebody from the initiative and sign one of the ballot petitions to get it on the ballot. It takes 700,000 signatures statewide. So we'll talk about that more at the top of the next hour. But this uh, uh, upcoming song, two songs, is right now Evolutionary by the band Cynic. And then after that, Mother People by Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention here on KKSM AM 1320 The Radio Revolution and LRN.FM The Liberty Radio Network freethoughtmedia.org Here's my hand You painted on a circle fades inside a heart Are you expected here? You whisper in my ear So I wash my hands Till the water 
letting be And the truth beyond the mind is what I
take a minute and tell you my plan Let me take a minute and tell who I am If it doesn't show, then you better know I'm another person KKSM Oceanside. You know, women are a complicated bunch. AM 1320. They're like grapes. That's all I got, because I said bunch, yeah. then I thought of grapes. Radio Revolution. A man with the last name, Nick. Today's Sunday, October 13th, 2013. One ounce of silver is $22. One Bitcoin is $128. Peace News Now is brought to you by Bitcoin and Silver. From friends of WeUseCoins.com and SonsOfLibertyMint.com. Trade value for value with fine silver quarters from the Sons of Liberty Mint. That's Sons with a U. The most divisible, usable silver on the planet. Order some today. That's Sons with a U. Sons of Liberty mint.com ed nj weedman fortune reports this week at his website njweedman.com that he has legally changed his name in order to bring attention to the injustices he's suffered at the hands of state agents he admits the name change will likely be denied in the past courts have denied ed's attempts to legally change his name to njweedman.com this thursday he wrote on his blog quote i did file to legally change my name to just another nigger in the Burlington County Superior Court. I want the judges and officers of the courts to be forced to call me just a as the case proceeds. Ed says he feels like he's being treated as a second-class citizen. He wants court officials to drop their pomp and circumstance and call him how they're treating him. In his blog post, Ed N.J. Weedman Fortune says that the courts refuse to recognize his rights under the New Jersey Compassionate Use Act. The court ignored the law. N.J. Weedman suspects racism. What do you think? Should people be free to change their names to whatever they want? Is the court being racist? Share your thoughts on the Peace News Now Facebook page. Beginning next year, stores with special permission from the state can sell cannabis. But before that happens, voters in Colorado will decide whether to approve Proposition AA. The new law would impose a new tax of 30%. But that's not all. Question 2A in Denver would authorize an additional sales tax of up to 15% to go to the city bureaucrats. That's not in place of, but in addition to, the taxes that already applied to everything else. If all these taxes are approved and legislators set them at the maximum authorized levels, legal pot in Denver, home to most of the state's medical marijuana centers, will be hit by a total sales tax of 38%, plus an excise tax of 15%. Now, Denver attorney Rob Corey is campaigning to get Colorado pot smokers to vote no on Proposition AA to avoid what he calls, quote, the largest tax increase in Colorado history. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, Amendment 64, the ballot measure that Coloradans voted on last year, grants state agents the authority to tax and regulate cannabis in a manner similar to alcohol. But what happens if bureaucrats regulate the price of cannabis higher than the black market price? Will consumers go back to their old dealer for the better price? This story brought to you by Blockchain.info. Download the free Bitcoin wallet at Blockchain.info. The Canadian press reported that two Canadian activists returned home on Saturday after seven weeks in an Egyptian prison. On arrival, John Grayson and Tarek Lubani admitted many mistakes. They also gave thanks to those who helped win their freedom. Tarek Lubani is an emergency room physician from London, Ontario. John Grayson is a 
an outspoken gay film professor and director living in Toronto. Grayson said, quote, We call out the collusion of Western powers, seemingly unwilling to denounce military violence used against peaceful citizens, and perhaps most crucially, on the ongoing role of billions in U.S. military aid that is helping return Egypt to a nightmare of military dictatorship. The two said they had only planned to stop overnight in Cairo on their way to Gaza. They believed they could safely document the violence that erupted in Cairo and tend to the wounded without invoking the wrath of the authorities. Instead, they were swept up in mass arrests and imprisoned in cramped conditions without trial. They said they were beaten and forced to sleep on the concrete with cockroaches. The two were accused of participating in illegal protests and resisting arrest. State agents dropped the accusations against them and gave them permission to leave Egypt. Family and supporters mounted a relentless campaign to have them freed, to which Grayson said, quote, Your hard work mattered. Your voice mattered. It made a difference. We owe you our freedom. Peace News Now is on the next news network and is brought to you by friends of WeUseCoins.com and SonsOfLibertyMint.com. Share this episode with your friends, and if you enjoyed it, send some Bitcoin to donate.peacenewsnow.com. I'm Derek J. reminding you that peace is the way. And that has been your news. Uh, and so, yeah, vote no on those Colorado cannabis taxes if you live in Colorado. Uh, and, and, or and as well, additionally, in Denver. Um, no, 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 no. That's why my guest for this hour is going to talk about a cannabis hemp ballot initiative that caps any and all extra taxes in addition to sales tax and business tax, income tax, whatever. Uh, at 10%. So it could be anywhere from 0 to 10, but caps it at 10. Um, and that's the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative. I want you all to go to cchi2014.org, go to the contacts, find somebody in your county. You got to live in California, you got to be registered to vote. You sign the ballot petition to put it on the ballot, and then you vote yes in November, and you spread the word as best as you possibly can with all the activist knowledge you have and the best you can stretch your two cents that you want to pitch. So the interview for this hour is with a representative of the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative to discuss a lot more about it. Joining me now is Nathan Arnold. He's part of the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative, which seeks to get enough signatures to get on the ballot for the 2014 elections, which would legalized cannabis and industrial hemp in the state of California. Nathan, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem. So tell us a bit about uh, the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative, who wrote it, and uh, what, what the details of the bill are. Well, the history of the bill goes back a few years uh, when the authors Jack Herr and Bruce Margellan uh, started putting it on paper and getting ideas what a good state law would be, one that could be adopted uh, as far as other states, you know, in very simple and blunt forms with no extra uh, government monitoring systems for uh, extra coding or any kind of, uh, you know, extra task work. In fact, most of the bill is designed to alleviate stress on the state, uh, such as uh, arresting, incarcerating, and imprisoning people for marijuana crimes. 
and the, one of the concepts of the bill was to actually change that public outlook through literature uh, by changing all reference to marijuana to cannabis. Exactly, that's how it should be, right? And uh, you know, allowing for recreational and medicinal use along with industrial, uh, observing its impacts on the ecology, on the economy. Um, I think that's basically the gist of the bill is free the plant and save the people. I, I had a friend who got a um, an editorial into the newspaper, not, an, not like a but like a letter to the editor saying, uh, look, I see you guys are writing, you know, pot or weed or grass instead of cannabis and it has that kind of, that charged language. I think they use it on purpose because they use it to have that negative connotation, whereas cannabis is a scientific, you know, genus species uh, term for it. What, uh, what do you make of that? I think uh, terminology is one thing that people should be aware of. You know, they're using slang terms for something. It's no different than saying booze or crack. You know, there are scientific words. Sometimes, you know, I find myself in a situation where I have no option but to say put it in the pot, you know, or, or you got a pot lot going. <laughs> um, weed, it grows like one. I wouldn't say, it, you know, when people say it's a, a pest or something, but it's clear when, when the language is, is aggressive or, or abusive to one party where they say, oh, it's a pothead or you're a stoner. Stoner, uh, only when everybody's smoking is, is it, you know, like when we're drunk, you know, we're stoned. I, I see, you know, no problem with, think, you know, things like that as long as it's not angry. <laughs> and you talked about the ecology of industrial hemp. Uh, a lot of scientists are saying, uh, you know, act now and start, you know, planting hemp plants around Fukushima uh, because it absorbs uh, toxicity from around the area. Um, I mean, in general, it would just pull out, you know, CO2 out of the air, and it's a very kind of a detoxifying plant of the air and the soil around it. Uh, what, what are the uh, environmental benefits of, of hemp use? Well, yeah, definitely uh, every living object is going to absorb uh, radiation from a source like Fukushima, and as it spreads, it would help if more, more plants that weren't... Uh, required to sustain themselves year to year could be set up to absorb that and some groups have done uh, similar projects and also as a carbon negative uh, plant it it could definitely help in harvesting said plants for renewable resources I mean the effects and benefits are manifold and you know one or two simple actions Let's talk about the economic impacts of legalizing cannabis and industrialized hemp. Uh, there are three aspects to it. There is the money that the government saves in eliminating enforcement and related prison costs. Then there's the tax revenue. And then there's, and then there's just the value added uh, of jobs and, and fortification of the economy with real production as opposed to the house of cards consumption economy that has us in the kind of economic rut that we're in. What are those three factors and how will uh, the, those first two pertain to the state budget and the, the last one pertains to the well-being of people who would find jobs in an industrial hemp or cannabis industry? Well, yeah, uh, within the bill is a uh, capped excise tax at 10% on things that are recreational. And uh, if you were to use 
imply that on a multi-billion dollar industry, uh, then you end up with low hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's what the budget analyst said, and those are the strict numbers that are going on the books as far as the bill is concerned. As far as providing jobs, it's it's an economic resource, environmental resource that has been long neglected for a wide variety and uh, tens of thousands of uses. You know, it's it's kind of a shame if you think about it, how, how it's gone on for almost 100 years uh, you know, on a federal level for 80 for those just joining, I'm speaking here with Nathan Arnold. He is from the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative, written by Jack Herrer. They're trying to get on the ballot in 2014 November general election. Um, so, so tell us a bit about the signature drive, when it is, and how many signatures you need to get to put the Jack Herrer California Cannabis Hemp Initiative on the ballot for 2014. Well, it- may be a little bit soon, but tomorrow um, we'll be cleared by the state attorney, uh, Kamala Harris, to circulate starting October 1st through February 27th. And since we're not uh, a lobbied or corporate interest, then all our funding is basically grassroots. A lot of our activity is grassroots. Um, every neighborhood, every state uh, in the city, or every neighborhood and city in the state uh, has an opportunity to uh, go about in their own in their own b- in manner, and uh, there are rules to abide by as far as collecting valid signatures and uh, refunding your uh, petition circulators, which we o- always can find more. Uh, so that's where people volunteering uh, their time or their money uh, really comes into play. Definitely. So. Uh, today, uh, October 14th, is my birthday when I have this radio show, and um, instead of people sending me wishes, the way they can make me happy is by finding uh, the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative and signing it, or at least calling in on the show at 760-736-8375 and at least pledging to sign. Um, how can they fulfill my wishes to, for them to participate in Op 420 and sign or pledge to sign the initiative to put it on the ballot? Um, well, if someone wanted recognition for their donations, that'll be marked on the website uh, as far as what? Or no, how would they contact you as your, your local San Diego rep or listening to this station throughout uh, California via the internet? If somebody lives in San Francisco, how could they get in touch with their local person to get a bunch of initiatives and start circling it around their neighborhoods? Uh, it's simply on the website, on the contacts list, uh, www.ccchi2014.org. Um, click on the contacts and you'll find your, your region contact local for your city or your uh, kind of county area. And if somebody's like more on the outskirts, unincorporated, um, could they maybe get uh, petitions in the mail if they request it that way? Uh, Sure. They would at that point probably become a a circulator themselves. And that's also a good way to get involved. Definitely. And so basically the only requirement is you have to be a registered voter in California to sign the initiative and make sure that you sign your name and address right so it doesn't get discounted. Correct. Definitely. Um, Do you have any uh, uh, final words to discuss upon the uh, California Cannabis Hemp Initiative and, and again, plug the website and why you just think that this issue is so important and it's an idea whose time has definitely been long overdue to come? 
Well, I don't know about the extra bells and whistles, but uh, it's something that California should have gotten on, and uh, now will be the only time that the Jack Harrow bill will be available, because in 2016, you're going to find some bills that have a lot more paperwork and a lot more uh, jurisdiction control, and it, the message is, why wait? Why, why wait any further? Why let uh, Arizona and Alaska beat out California as far as legalization? That's absurd. Um, but, you know, it's democracy, and if people can't, can't be aware, then, you know, that's one more way it will fail. <laughs> Definitely. So I encourage everybody to put this on the ballot in 2014. Do what you can to get your signature on that piece of paper. Get a petition yourself that has 10 slots. You sign it. Get 10 friends who are registered voters. Make sure they sign it legibly, neatly, no falsified information. Uh, was it? Se- if you're outside of California, definitely tell your friends from California about it. It's www.cchi2014.org. I mean, everything's there. You get involved and get it done. <laughs> definitely. And again, guys, uh, sign it. Uh, and Nathan, thank you again very much for joining the program. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Awesome. So... I mean, I really don't need to break down the arguments for legalization because we went into it. Uh, Never mind the fact that as a border state, we kind of have an obligation. All the people getting beheaded in Mexico, a lot of people like when I talk about legalizing cannabis, they kind of laugh. But then I bring up, you know, that prohibition causes the violence and then people are getting beheaded south of the border because of that violence. They kind of their smiles start to die down and they're like, oh wait, this is real? This is for, like, there's some real stuff going on behind cannabis prohibition. No, it's not so much a joke anymore. Oh, gosh. And then they usually end up signing the ballot petitions. But we have an obligation as California to not, to pass this. And we should, we should, uh, any initiative that comes up, certainly vote yes on it. But this, I, this is one of my favorite written initiatives. Um, I, I voted for Proposition 19. Uh, you know, I'm not going to you know hate hate on it, but at the same time, I think this one's better. It takes on the GMO issue, which makes this even more important. It's just like basically Prop 37 mixed in with a little uh, cannabis legalization, uh, all in one initiative. So that's why it's so important to put this on the ballot. CCHI2014.org. Get in touch with your local county rep. They'll make you a petitioner. You can you you can get a bunch of signature sheets, ten per page. It's like high school magazine drives. It's easy stuff, guys, whether you smoke or not. You know, I used to be completely against cannabis at, at, at all, um, but I came at it from we all are in our bodies. I have no right to enforce my will upon you. So I was an active legalization advocate. And then once I found out about the medical qualities and everything like that, the safer in alcohol doesn't actually destroy your organs, heals your organs, cures cancer, stuff, stuff like that. Well, then I started fighting even harder. Uh, but it doesn't matter whether you smoke or not, whether you like cannabis or not. It's not about liking it or condoning it. It's about leaving people alone, cutting government spending, increasing civil liberties, uh, having new jobs in the industrial hemp uh, industry, getting rid of genetically modified foods, um, emptying the prisons of people whose lives have been ruined uh, for no good reason, staving the cartel, you know, kicking the crutch out of the cartel's arm uh, by, you know, and, and thus getting rid of beheadings right here in Mexico because Colorado and Washington, not border states, well, Washington with Canada, but that's Canada, man. There's a lot of unnecessary death and murder 
south of the border because of drug prohibition. Yet maybe with the other drugs, there the cartels will still exist, but marijuana or cannabis uh, is about fifty to seventy percent their trade. So that would be a, a significant blow uh, to the cartels. Would be to legalize cannabis. So you got the cartels. You got Monsanto. That are all going to be against this initiative. That's why you need to go to cchi2014.org, sign the initiative, get in touch with your local county rep. And so what we're doing for this show is that if you want to call in and pledge to sign to legalize cannabis and hemp, don't be scared. It's not You're not saying that you have it or you're trying to sell it. It's free speech. It's political action, signing for a ballot initiative to put it on the, on the ballot in November 2014 so that you can vote for it. So if you want to call in to pledge to sign, participate in Op Cannabis, it's just an encouragement thing. It's, you know, a little bit, it's a novelty certainly, but, uh, you know, speak out, come on this radio show. Tell, tell us why you support legalization of cannabis. The phone number is 760-736-8375. Again, the phone number is 760-736-8375. Tell us why you support legalization of cannabis and hemp. And why you're, if you're a registered voter in California, why you are pledging to sign the ballot initiative so that can go on the uh, November 2014 ballot requires 700,000 signatures. So again, it's 760-736-8375. Call in to pledge to sign it. And even if you're against, you could still vote no on this initiative. If you're against this initiative or if you're against legalization of cannabis and hemp, you could still sign to put this on the ballot. That just means you're supporting democracy and putting it to the voice of the people, not just yourself. Um, so that's why really important to get this on the ballot so that we can have an open conversation come, uh, you know, the ballot petitioning for this initiative expires uh, February 27th. So let's say gets on the ballot past February. Then we can have an open dialogue about why or why not we should legalize cannabis. But let's have that dialogue. Let's put it on the ballot. Get your signature on that petition. It's 760-736-8375. Call in to pledge. And once you pledge to sign the ballot petition, go to cchi2014.org and contact your local campaign rep to sign it and then get and then become a petitioner yourself. Get 10 friends. Um, so that's why I want to play two songs here. So I think if we pass this initiative... This next song by Ziggy Marley will be the future, and it will be a good future. By the way, Fukushima, lawless radiation, hemp cleans up, we talked about it, hemp cleans up, uh, detoxifies the environment. We should be planting as many hemp plants as possible to suck all the poisons out of the air and the soil and eventually, you know, um, get us back to some amount of environmental normalcy because we have been brought to an environmental Apocalypse, not like what Al Gore tries to scaremonger us to death, because he's part of that. You know, he's uh, him and his cohorts are probably all advocating for like geoengineering and stuff, and or to make a bunch of money off a of cap and trade. Al Gore doesn't care about global warming, and most of the stuff he talks about is falsified information. But yeah, there's a lot of real environmental damage, like like Fukushima, that uh, uh, big wig elites, one uh, percenters like Al Gore are not going to touch. So. Hemp is a great way to detoxify our environment. So if this song right here becomes reality, we're going to be living in a much greener environment. Uh, so this is Wild and Free by Ziggy Marley. Then after that, Sweet Leaf, Sweet Leaf by Black Sabbath here on KKSM and LRN.FM. A fire burns for freedom. A fire burns for freedom. 
KKSM. The official soundtrack to getting incepted. The radio revolution. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. Access granted. This is the KKSM Weekly Concert Update. On October 13th, the SDSU Symphony Orchestra will be at the SDSU Smith Recital Hall, Kailisa at Brick by Brick. On October 14th, the Dodos will be at the Casbah, City and Color will be at the House of Blues, and Guitar Wolf at the Soda Bar. On October 15th, Haim will be at the Casbah, Primal Scream will be at the Belly Up, and Typhoon at the Loft at UC San Diego. On October 16th, Disclosure at the House of Blues, Braids at the Casbah, and Crystal Antlers at the Soda Bar. On October 14th, Trivium will be at Soma, Helado Negro at the Soda Bar, and Chirub at the Loft at UC San Diego. On October 18th, Jack Johnson will be at the Balboa Theater, Pepper at the House of Blues. On October 19th, Surfer Blood at the Irenic and Restorations and Weather Box at the Che Cafe. For more information, go to www.facebook.com slash KKSM Radio. This has been your KKSM Concert Update. Every day you make investment decisions. When you do business with and hold U.S. dollars, you make an investment in the soundness of the moral philosophy and the potential longevity of the United States hegemony. People who claim a monopoly on violence around the world. If this is the investment that you want to make, please keep listening to LRN.FM. If not, stop using their currency. Use bitcoins. Get educated. WeUseCoins.com. KKSM. On your TV, on Cox Cable, channel 957. The Radio Revolution. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org. My guest in this past hour was Nathan Arnold of the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative. So this show is participating in Anon Op Cannabis, or Op 420. So if you want to call in to this hotline, the studio hotline, 760-736-8375, you got to call in if you're a registered voter in the state of California and you want to pledge to sign the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative ballot petitions so that it can go on the ballot in the November 2014 election. It requires 700,000 signatures statewide. So uh, just call in to pledge that you'll sign the ballot petition that you'll seek out a rep from the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative via their website, cchi2014.org. Um, and that's cchi2014.org. Uh, and, and again, um, 
the phone number is 760-736-8375 if you want to pledge to get your signature on it if you're a registered voter in the state of California. Uh, in the second hour, I had Charles W. Johnson of the Alliance of the Libertarian Left. Uh, and in the first hour, I had Jeffrey Tucker of the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, uh, the podcast will be up tomorrow on iTunes. Just search for Free Thought on the iTunes store and look for Free Thought AAC. Next week, I have Judd Weiss. He's an entrepreneur, photographer, and blogger at the site hustlebear.com. Week after that, I have Foster Gamble, creator of the movie Thrive. Um, in the coming weeks, uh, I have an interview with Rosa Corey. She wrote the book Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda 21. So we're going to break down how the corporations and the global kind of elites are using the are kind of co-opting the green movement by using terms like sustainability and and other things like other sweet sounding words like that to sell UN Agenda 21, which comes straight out of the eugenics playbook. Uh, and, and you know she uh, has the site Democrats Against UN Agenda 21.com um, because it isn't green. It's the opposite. If you want sustain real sustainability, not this faux you know Agenda 21 hijacking of that term, go for hemp. Legalize farming so that you can do it in your backyard without the government cracking down on you. That's real sustainability. This is all, you know, part of a part, straight out of the eugenics handbook because the only people that are advocating for population control are the elites. Yet you have at Earth Day booths that say we have an overpopulation problem. Well, what's your solution to the overpopulation problem? Uh, aside from condoms, like. These guys are, are probably some, you know, sorry, you know, sad, pe you know, people that managed to get a volunteer job at some booth, but they don't know that the organizations like related to the UN, which was related to the Rockefellers and, and, you know, all these powerful world elites that don't have green or the environment in mind. They don't have whatever, you know, population in mind. It's a scary thing that's UN Agenda 21. So you're going to want to Stay tuned in the next couple of weeks when I roll out another calendar for the November month. I'm also looking at uh, interviewing Cindy Sheehan. She's a candidate for governor of California. I totally support her campaign, and uh, I'm looking forward to having her on to talk about uh, why Democrats and Republicans and suck. She's the Peace and Freedom Party nominee. Why she should be the person to go uh, uh, be in the top two. Uh, who cares who the other top two person is? But thanks to the stupid top two system, uh, she's got to get second place in the June election in order to go to the general. So that's why it's important that you vote in the June election here in California uh, so that you're not stuck with the lesser two evils as your only choice in the November election. Also, for you uh, metalheads, your thrashers out there, I'm going to be interviewing, hopefully, the lead singer of the band Heathen. Uh Excellent, excellent classic uh, thrash metal band. I, they are awesome. I play their songs a lot. A lot of kind of cool songs with a lot of great, great lyrical content about uh, about you know the establishment of religion and and uh, fascism and everything like that. Um, so I'm going to be looking forward to possibly interviewing the, the lead singer of the band Heathen and some more. Uh, yeah, uh, great interviews uh, coming down the pipe. So 
Be sure to head over to facebook.com slash freethoughtradio for all current information on what's going on, what's coming up, everything like that um, in, in, the, in the coming weeks. Also, freethoughtmedia.org. You can find the podcast link and the Twitter link and the link to Freethought TV, which is YouTube, uh, and much, much more. But I want to play a few songs uh, before we come back uh, to finish off the show. Uh, these two songs are called Trapped in a Corner by the band Death, and then after that, Images by the band Sadus. Both have the most excellent bassist, Steve DiGiorgio, on bass. Uh, he's an absolute monster, one of my heroes. So again, Trapped in a Corner by Death, and then after that, Images by Sadus here on KKSM, AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network. Freethoughtmedia.org.
Images by Sadus, and before that, Trapped in a Corner by Death, here on Free Thought Radio, part of the Free Thought Media Network, which includes Free Thought TV on YouTube and just general citizen journalism at freethoughtmedia.org, here weekly on the radio at KKSM AM 1320, the Radio Revolution and Cox Cable Channel 957, all in the San Diego area. Mondays 6 to 9. Be sure to tune in next week. I got Judd Weiss on. Going to talk about entrepreneurship, photography, the housing crisis, and liberty. And a lot more and a lot of cool guests coming up in the next coming weeks. So facebook.com slash freethoughtradio and facebook.com slash kksmradio and as well as facebook.lrn.fm for all the Facebooks. So... The uh, the truckers' march for the Constitution turned out to be successful, so successful that they actually withheld a standoff from the police. So the police were trying to get them to shut down, and the police left. Um, and a uh, quote from Panda on their post about it on their Facebook page, when quoting Thomas Jefferson, I believe, when government fears the people... There is liberty when the people fear the government. There is tyranny. May have had that backwards, but... Oh, and uh, uh, Panda passed two resolutions uh, against the National Defense Authorization Act and municipalities uh, in New York and in Massachusetts, and freethoughtmedia.org was a great, proud uh, supporter of those efforts uh, in New York, and um, hopefully it goes through every, every municipality and state and so on and so forth, that not only are the officers forbidden uh, of the state of California or the city where they reside, or, or state where they reside, but they also are obligated to stand against federal agents that try to enforce it. So if you see a CIA guy creeping in the middle of the night uh, with a black bag to put over somebody's head, 
you go as a police officer and tackle that person and then bring him downtown. That's how the 10th Amendment works. That is how justice works. That is how martial law is prevented. So I hope it happens more. Um, so I want to play the song by a guy who lived in a kind of, you know, a totalitarian government of Nigeria. His name is Fela Kuti. And this one is off his album Zombie. You know, zombie troops, police, whatever, follow orders. Just like the Nazis or, or the Israelis or <laughs> to even an extent the Americans. Following orders without questioning the morality of those orders or the constitutionality of those orders the legality everything and everything and everything about those orders are not being questioned so this is uh, from that album it's called Observation is No Crime I guess this has to do with filming police so this is what I'm going to leave you guys off with for the night KKSM After Hours is up next freethoughtmedia.org Check out the podcast on iTunes. Go on the iTunes store, search for Free Thought, and look for Free Thought AAC. See you guys next week.
You're listening to KKSM AM 1320, Oceanside.